So then younger son is seeing how it's working for his sister. So then he tells the therapist, if I have to stay here, I'm going to kill myself. Oh my gosh. Yes. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to the Nacho Kids Podcast. <laughs> you sound so funny when you say that. Because I say podcast. Yeah, like it's two words. <laughs> All right, let me try again. Welcome to the Nacho Kids Podcast. That's closer. It's hard for me to say it that way. <laughs> it's better than podcast. <laughs> I like it. Welcome to the Nacho Kids Podcast. <laughs> All right, we do have a disclaimer for this episode. Uh oh. There are talks of stepkids attempting and threatening suicide. Mm. So there's your disclaimer. And there is also mention of menstrual cycles. <laughs> I laugh because y'all don't see her eyes looking around for the right words. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this stepmom is child-free. She's been blending two and a half years. They've been together six years. She has a stepdaughter, 19, stepdaughter, 13, and stepson, 11. Stepdaughter, 19, was actually alienated from her father for a while. And she also attempted suicide because of her mother's boyfriend. Mm. Stepdaughter, 13, has threatened suicide. Because she wants to be with the bio mom. Stepson 11 is following in those steps because he has seen that it worked for stepdaughter 13. But y'all have to listen to this. It's kind of strange. I'm not going to give too many details, but it seems like there's more to this suicide stuff. Like it could be triggered as a plan by the bio mom. Anyway. Well, I do have one question. Uh oh. You, you said she was child-free. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between being child-free and childless? That's just the word that came out of my mouth at that time. Okay. I was just wondering. Because child-free sounds pretty good. Childless sounds <laughs> kind of bad. <laughs> well, and that's why a lot of people choose to say child-free. Or you say, you know, I got a child-free weekend. Some will say that they are child-free by choice. Mm-hmm. And some will just say that they're child-free or they're childless. It's almost like, oh, don't call step families, step families, call them blended families and say mm-hmm. child-free versus childless. Or don't say stepmom, say bonus mom. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the stepmom here doesn't tell me to use child-free or childless. It's just the word that I chose to use at that time. Okay. I was just wondering if there was a difference there. She talks about the long court battles. Let's not get you started on that this week. (laughs) No. Like, seriously, not today, Satan. Not today. She's very involved in a lot of things with the stepkids, but she also steps back or nachos a lot of the parental aspects in the blend. That's good. We also talk about how hard it is for transitions. You know, when the kids come back, And she made a good point. She said transitions are hard for everyone in the house except for her husband. Hmm. Why is that? The kids have to transition from being at bio moms. Mm -hmm. The stepmom has to transition from not having kids running around the house. And the bio dad is just happy. I I was going to say, I don't agree with that. I I had transition issues when my kids would come back. Really? Yeah. Okay, let's talk about that briefly. Because when when things weren't going well with us, I had a lot of stress knowing they were coming back and that there were going to be problems. And, and to top it all off, I was excited they were coming back. I was happy they were coming back. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, gosh, what's going to happen today? You know, how long is it going to take before there's a big blow up? I can see that. You know, it's, it, you know talk about the vice thing, having your head in the vice. Yeah. Your significant other on one side and your kids on the other, and you know they're both pressing you. So when they're gone, you don't have that, and it's like I'm I hate that they're gone, but I'm also getting some type of mental and emotional break. And then when they come back, I'm happy they're here, but I also know that comes with 
the mental and emotional craziness that's going to end up happening. So, yeah, I would, I mean, until things got good with us, uh, I would say it was, it was still stressful that they were coming back home. I think it would have been stressful even if we weren't married because they all came home and, you know, they got all this homework to do. And I got to parent the whole homework thing, which was a nightmare in and of itself and running people back and forth to different places they had to go. And yeah, it's stressful. Okay. Okay. I'm done now. (laughs) Got David fired up there for a minute. I couldn't help but laugh at some of the stuff that the stepkids told CPS about the home with their dad and the stepmom. Like, for instance, making them say the blessing before they eat is abuse. (laughs) The bio dad and stepmom having the passwords to their phone is abuse. (laughs) And the stepkids don't like that the stepmom and bio dad tell them not to lie. That's terrible. Yeah. How dare them want to try to raise responsible adults who don't lie. <laughs> I know, but I just had to laugh at some of the stuff because it reminded me of when we went to Mr. Butler with the kids and they were convinced I was abusing them. And he asked what I could do to improve the relationship. And they said, she can take us to Disney. And they weren't lying. That would improve the relationship for at least three days. But you have to admit, it put things in a different perspective for you that, wait a minute. Yeah. I feel like snatching them up and jerking them out of there. Yeah. Because if things were that bad with me, they wouldn't want me taking them to Disney, even though it's the happiest place in the world or on earth or whatever it is. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But the good thing about that is because they answered the way they did, I think it began a big transition, maybe somewhat for me, but more so, I think, for my family that was involved. Yeah, definitely. All right. So we need to get to listening. But before we do, David, let's tell people about the Nacho Club. All right. So the Nacho Club is an awesome place you can go. It's almost the happiest place on earth. (laughs) The Nacho Kids Academy really is the happiest place on earth. But anyway, I digress. So if you want to take part in communicating with other step families, step moms, step dads, and you don't want all the craziness that's on Facebook, then the Nacho Club is for you. It is a completely anonymous community where you can go and talk with other people. Basically, it's just an alternative to Facebook, but nobody knows who you are. Yes. And, and you can get in there um, and communicate, put questions out there. Same type of the stuff you would potentially talk about on social media. You just have all of the benefits and privacy that come with not being on the big platforms. So check it out. Go to nachokids.com and then click on uh, the Nacho Club link at the top. Yes. And it's $24 a year, but it's worth it to not have to deal with the Facebook drama. No kidding. Okay. All right. So let's get listening to the podcast. But first, here's a word about the Nacho Kids Academy. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle step family challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit nachokidsacademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's nachokidsacademy.com. Today, we have Anonymous Stepmom in Detroit. Hey, Anonymous Stepmom in Detroit. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Good. So how long have you been blending? Um, We've been blending two and a half years, uh, meaning we've all been in the same home. I've been in the kid's life for about six years, um, but prior to us getting married, we did not live together. So that changes the dynamic. Yes, it does. How many stepkids do you have? Three stepchildren, stepdaughter, 19, stepdaughter, 13, and stepson, 11. Okay. Before y'all got married, what was your relationship like with the stepkids? Really good. They were quite close with me. The parents, the both of the bio parents have this decent amount of dysfunction. 
So I was a safe place for the children because I never chose sides and was always kind of like an advocate for them. Mm -hmm. So they would open up and talk to me. So I had a good relationship with, well, I had a good relationship with the younger two. The oldest daughter was at the time estranged from her father. So I had not met her or knew her or anything about her. So I didn't meet her until the year that we got married. And so when I met her, the relationship uh, was really good. Okay. Are they all with the same bio mom? Yes. Okay. And then you get married. Did things get worse all of a sudden? No, no. It changed all of a sudden. So um, we got married. And six months after we got married, both of the bio parents have issues with each other. And so he was taking her. Um, her to court trying to get full custody, not full custody, but primary residence of the kids. Mm -hmm. Because prior to us getting married, we found out about the level of dysfunction in, in the mother's home. And so he said that he didn't want his children to live in that kind of environment and have to be exposed to the things that they were being exposed to. And so he took her to court. So once he took her to court, he won after a four-day trial, which was a circus. So four-day trial, he won primary custody. So we got married. And then by school year or before school year, he won custody. So six months of us living together, mm -hmm. then the children moved in full-time and they did not want to move in full-time. They wanted to stay with their mom because they're close to their mom and they knew it was dysfunctional, but that's what they know. And so then they move in with us and here I am, no bio kids. And, you know, I told my husband, I've never desired to have children or be a mother. Uh, so I told him prior to him going for full time that I would support him, but to know that I would not be doing the heavy lifting on parenting. Right. And so um, he acknowledged that and appreciated that and agreed with it, you know? And so the kids move in and, and then we try to make it work. So you said that both bio parents have a little bit of dysfunction. Yes. Yes. Um, my husband is, he, I wouldn't call him dysfunctional, but they were in a very dysfunctional relationship with each other for a long time. Okay. N not as parents, but with each other. Okay. My husband is not a dysfunctional parent, but his ex is a legit dysfunctional parent. Okay. Okay. Um, but because, you know, I, to me, it's dysfunctional when even if you're a good parent, you know, like I know that he tries to make it work, you know, and work with her. It just doesn't work and it just hurts the kids. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say that, you know, dysfunctional, but my, luckily the type of father that he is, he's very hands-on, very take care of things. So when the kids moved in, they didn't want to be there. They wanted to be back at bio moms. Uh -huh. Did they start making things more difficult for you? No, no, not initially. So they move in and we, we have them in therapy and bio daughter at the time, I think she was 11 or 12. She had already some noticeable mental issues with eating and depression and things of that nature. And so we worked it out. It, we're in, they're in therapy. We're in therapy. Dear husband and I are very active in our church community. Mm -hmm. So we do, you know, activities, church. And so the kids are, they're with us Monday, Sunday night through Thursday night and with their mom, Friday and Saturday, three weekends a month. And we get them one weekend a month. So dear husband and I both have uh, the weekends to have our date nights and the kids seem to have acclimated. Okay. They are in school. Um, they're in sports. They were in school. They were in sports. And um, because of our relationship and me knowing and respecting their relationship with their mom and the way that I communicate, it worked. I kind of let, I asked the girl, what was her fears about living with us? And one of her fears was that she's going to lose a relationship with her mom. And so I just wanted to make sure that I was acknowledging and including her mom, not in a sense of 
having a relationship with her mom, but when she would come to me with things, I would say, have you talked to this about your mom or what does your mom say about it? Just to make sure that she knows that I was in support of that relationship. So things were not difficult with the blend until about this past February. So not that it was for any lack of trying on the their mother's part. So the mother has a dysfunctional relationship with a boyfriend. The boyfriend doesn't like my husband. And so they force the stepdaughter 12 to bring a pillow home of his face. <gasps> yes. And this is, this is within two weeks, two to three weeks of them living there. And so my husband, like the man just tried to fight, like physically fight him in court. So my husband's like, all frustrated. And I look at him like, don't react. She's doing this to get a reaction. And so then I have a conversation with stepdaughter uh, 12. And I say, in this home, we will never intentionally do things to hurt people. And what you did is you intentionally did this to hurt us. And I said, and I understand this probably wasn't your idea. I understand that that you you might have been told to brought this, but you chose, you could have done what your mom said and brought the pillow home and kept it in your room, but you t- chose to take it to your room and then come out in the front desk and point it at your dad and sit there with a smirk on your face. That's intentionally trying to hurt your father and that's not going to be tolerated. And we're all going to make mistakes and we're all learning to do things you know, differently now because this is all new to us, but this is not going to be tolerated. I want you to go out and apologize to your dad and we can have a family discussion about it. And so she did apologize. And then we told her therapist so she can discuss it with her because, you know, you know, it's got to be difficult not knowing there's a, there's a long history of parental alienation. Mm -hmm. So the kids are, they do what their mom says and their mom is twisted. So. Well, you had said that the oldest child was alienated. Yes. And so the oldest child was alienated. So she didn't have a relationship with her father for almost three years. And that was the first three years of he and I relationship. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And not for a lack of trying because I was there not in the first year. I wasn't exposed to it. But within the second year, I saw his efforts to see her. And so the mother would say that she has panic attacks. She don't want to see you. She hates you. She doesn't want your number, all of these things. And he would try and it just didn't work. And so they would use her mental illness, the older daughter's mental illness to keep dear husband away. And she was in therapy and I think she had issues. I don't know what the reason for the fallout was between my husband and his um, oldest daughter um, because I wasn't privy to that. And then once we got a relationship, like the subject only came up once between her and I, and I kind of mentioned to her, I didn't want her to tell me without first talking to her father about it. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't want to get into that space. Right. So she was alienated from him. And then she is the one who blew the whistle on what was going on over there. So she attempted suicide. And that's when the mother called my husband and said, Hey, this is what's going on. She still doesn't want to talk to you, but then she was in the hospital. So the reason she attempted suicide was because of mother's boyfriend and his, I guess, verbal abuse and some fight that happened. So then she's in the hospital. Mother abandons oldest stepdaughter. Oh gosh. Yes. And goes back to her boyfriend, which was about an hour and a half or two hours away from each other. So she leaves oldest stepdaughter with her grandmother. Well, she left her when she was in a hospital and then ultimately says she, the man said that he, she can no longer live with him. So the mother chose the man over her daughter. Daughter stays with grandma. Daughter doesn't want to stay with dad because they haven't had a relationship in three years, but they, but then they start building their relationship again. And he went to a couple of her therapy sessions, I believe, and they worked out whatever issue they had. So now they're close as ever. And so am I? I'm pretty close with her. I talk to her on a regular basis about four times a week. Very good kid. College works hard. You know, she acknowledges her shortcomings and she tries to work on them. She doesn't have a relationship with her mom. Her mom never apologized for abandoning her. They don't have a relationship. And, but 
I encourage her to, I tell her all the time, there's, it's not healthy to not have a relationship with your mom, even if, you know, you can't have a close relationship, not talking to a parent is unhealthy, but that is the mode of this family when they're mad or don't agree. That's what they do. She lives with her boyfriend now. No, no. She lives with her two close friends. As soon as she graduated high school, she moved out um, with her friends and have been staying in the same place, have been attending college and have kept a job. There has been no, like, there was supposed to be all of these personality disorders and everything and all of this mental illness that the mother was saying and was telling a therapist that she had and a therapist would just kind of go along with it. But since she's been from under her mother care, she's a completely different human. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. You know, I understand what you're saying about it's important to have a relationship with your parent, regardless of how, quote, quote, bad the parent is. Mm-hmm. Because when that parent dies, you will regret it. Mm-hmm. You will have guilt and you will have regret. But there is a fine line of having a relationship with a toxic parent. Yes, I had a toxic parent. Uh, my mom and I never had a close relationship. For years, I always had to work through forgiveness and acceptance. And that's what I tell the oldest stepdaughter is when you choose to have that unforgiveness in your heart, it only affects you. It doesn't affect the mother because obviously she doesn't care. And her actions kind of show that. Right. But but for you to forgive is for you not to attract people like your mom. It's for it's it's the forgiveness is for you. And I don't mean it makes what she did okay. Um but but accepting your mother for who she is and not Putting what you think she should be helps that and knowing that the mother is really mentally ill as well and not giving her excuse, but just acknowledging those things and moving on. And and so I didn't have a relationship with my mom overly like we had conversations and we kept in loose touch, but we didn't have a close relationship. And so I just don't think it's healthy to be estranged from your parent, even if that parent is toxic. Being able to have a conversation if you need it is important important and it only benefits you. And so that's kind of what I tell the oldest stepdaughter. But now the youngest stepdaughter is estranged from my husband and myself. Okay. How did that happen? So for the school year, the kids are doing, when they moved with us, they're doing really well. And then um, COVID hit. Mm -hmm. During, During COVID, they finish out school, but we start sharing a lot of time with bio mom. So we would let the kids stay over there longer, you know, and and we did not exactly follow the parenting schedule, obviously because of COVID. So this is the when COVID first hit. Mm-hmm. So the kids finish out school with both of us, both households being able to have more time with bio mom. And then it worked out. So we thought because of the way that the kids were, that things maybe had gotten a little bit better at their mom's house in regards to the level of toxicity that's there. Until around June, the youngest, the stepson witnessed domestic abuse between their mom and her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And so that ended up being a whole thing. And so then we decided it's probably healthier for the kids to stick to the schedule. Mm-hmm. And and so in the summers, the schedule is a week on, a week off. And then school year, we're they're at school at our house. And then with their mom on a weekend, now their mom lives about an hour and a half or two hours away. Okay. And so basically, so it was going good. And then it was going good until mid-winter break this year. Mm-hmm. They spent 11 days with mom and came back and was seemed to be doing good. The first day of transition is always difficult Yes, um, when they're coming back. So, you know, giving everybody their space because it, it just as hard as it is for the kids, it's hard for me as well. Mm-hmm. Like they're coming back in moods and all kind of heaviness. And then I'm get to enjoy me and my husband and our time. And then that is then changed as well. And so, you know, like transition days during the school year looks like they come in, I doing laundry, they come in on Sunday about six, I'm doing laundry, I'm handing them their 
I fold all of their clothes and I hand them their clothes as they're going to their room. And they do that. And then everybody stays kind of in their own room or I'm in my room. Stepdaughter's in her room. Usually dad and stepson are hanging out together or somebody's playing video games or something. Mm -hmm. But um, so that was the transition day in February. And then Monday, stepdaughter seemed to be quite down still and sad. And then Tuesday, she was in better spirits. Once or twice a week, we play Uno after dinner. We eat dinner together every day and we plant Uno all as well. She was making some potion concoctions and making us smell them and all of this. And then they had therapy. So we're doing therapy during Zoom. So they do therapy and husband and I do Bible study via Zoom. Mm -hmm. So we're in Bible study, stepdaughter's in therapy, and we're upstairs in our room. And then the therapist calls my phone, I guess, after trying to call dear husband's phone and he didn't pick up. And she goes, you need to get stepdaughter to the hospital. She has suicidal ideology. She walked us through what was going on. We, so we go downstairs, grab stepdaughter and brought her upstairs and asked her, this is what the therapist told you. We are happy that you are talking about it and then communicating it, but this, these are the next steps. And so we told her the next steps, which was get her to first call and see if we can get her assessed over the phone. If we couldn't do that, get her assessed at a hospital, at an emergency room. Mm -hmm. So we now keep in mind, we're a shock because all day she was normal and bubbly and her normal self. Right. And so then all of a sudden saying that she wants to kill herself and she has a plan just came out of the blue. Mm -hmm. So we take her to the hospital. She's in a hospital for about 35 hours. We couldn't get a hold of bio mom. We, we, the, the parents can only communicate via our family wizard. Mm -hmm. And so they, he emailed her uh, like three times. And then after the email, after she didn't return the email, because he went to the first hospital, they didn't have a psyche, a children's hospital. They didn't have a psychiatric ward, the one we went to. So then we had to go to the other children's hospital that was in the city. And then we go into the city. There's so many mental breakdowns for adolescents. All of their rooms are booked and she has to stay in the emergency area. And so she, she has to stay at the hospital for a long time because there's no beds in any of the surrounding areas. I'm talking about even up to two hours away. There's mm -hmm. no beds to take out adolescents because every, it seems to be most teens are wigging out during this time at the same time she did. Yeah. COVID was very, very difficult on our teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. So then bio mom comes after they get a hold of her, um, after her family gets a hold of her because we've been ringing the alarm. So she comes, dear husband stayed, I think the first night with her, the first two nights with her. Mm -hmm. No, you say the first night with her and then all day. And then the mother came that second day and stayed a night with her. And then after the mother stayed a night with her, after that, she wouldn't communicate with dear husband. And then so she went to the hospital. She went to an inpatient. She was there for 10 days. She refused to come to our house. So she said that she would rather stay in the hospital and come home to her mom on the weekend versus come home to dad. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So prior to her, before her mom had come up there, she was talking to her dad. Dad stayed with her. He had me on the phone. We were talking. I went to go get, she's an avid reader. I went to go get her some books, some additional books. So I get her the books, you know, like it wasn't the greatest situation, but it was, we were trying to get her help and her communication was normal with us. And then all of a sudden wasn't after she stayed with mom that after mom stayed at the hospital, she did not communicate with her father at all. She would talk to the mother, but the mother only communicated with my husband for two days. And that was to get the medication approval and all of those things. And that's it. And since then he hasn't seen, well, he, he hasn't talked to his daughter when she's around him, she starts shaking. And it's because I um, entered them into a family therapy. So once she got out of inpatient, she refused to come home. And a mother says, I'm not allowing her to come over there, yada, yada, yada. And so it's the same thing that happened with the oldest 
stepdaughter. What's very interesting is so then CPS is called twice. And so CPS comes and interviews us and gives us the scoop of what's going on. And it was very interesting because a CPS worker like straight up said, this is crazy and this is frivolous and I could be reporting on people who actually need my help. And so the mother was trying to use CPS to get her children back. Now, let me let you know. So once she's lost her kids, the residents, she has, they have been to court in two years, eight times. She even went to court of appeals and lost. Yeah. So she went. So after they, she tried to appeal the decision that got denied. They upheld what the court said. And then she kept filing case after case after case in court. And dear husband won them all because we have evidence where we have evidence of the crazy dysfunction. We have an environment that's conducive to healthiness. However, every time she's going to court, she's telling the kids, don't worry, I'm getting you back. I'm getting you back. I'm getting you back. So this is what the kids have believed for the last two years is that staying at dad's is temporary. And she doesn't tell them when she loses in court. She don't say, oh, it didn't work. She just files another case. And so the kids are in limbo because they love their mom. I can say a billion things about this woman. But at the end of the day, her version of love for her kids is what her kids long for. And although we adults see that it's dysfunctional and it's controlling and manipulative, that's their relationship. And kids do want to be with their mom at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And so basically, it just things kept escalating from one thing to another, one thing to another. And so that's where we are now. I can't get my kids back the legal way. So what now I'm going to use. And so we, what we don't know is if everything that happened was contrived, was a plan. The suicide thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we, and, and you know, because it just, it, it was some of the things how she said she was going to do, it didn't add up. And then the immediate being normal, but soon as mom comes, everybody's going along with the narrative. And it got so bad to a point where stepdaughter's out of the hospital. She's at mom refusing to talk to dad. And obviously she has a playbook because she's seen it happen with her sister. Mm -hmm. So then younger son is seeing how it's working for his sister. So then he tells the therapist, if I have to stay here, I'm going to kill myself. Oh my gosh. Yes. And so then the therapist tell us, we say we're not going to take him to the hospital because we think he's playing games. We'll keep an eye on him and then we'll get him assessed in the morning. And we had a discussion. At this point, I'm recording everything. I'm recording every conversation because they're saying that we're abusing him. And, And for me being a person of color, I can't afford to have two white kids saying that I'm abusing them. Yeah. You know, so I'm recording every conversation and this is nuts. I've always been very hands-off when it comes to a lot of the stuff. I will tend to your emotional needs, but husband, my husband cooks, he does most of the child rendering. I usually take them to school or we all go to sports stuff, but I didn't do any of the heavy, heavy lifting on the parenting stuff. And so at this point, I want to be completely hands-off. I'm just completely freaked out and feel uncomfortable in my own home because of CPS and, you know, saying that we call them names. And I'm going to tell you what's so funny is they're like, yeah, they're being abused. And so the the CPS and the CPS documents, because you can request the documents, our lawyer needed them or whatever. And the CPS documents, you know, yeah, we're being abused and they call us names. And so they're asking okay, well, tell us what it is. Tell us about the abuse. And so they, their version of abuse, they have bedtimes. We get to know their passcodes for their phones and that they have to do chores. So it was just normal parenting stuff that they have been told is abuse. <laughs> if that was abuse, my mama would have been in jail the day I was probably right. born. <laughs> right, right. And so what's super funny is, oh, and it's, it's sad is that because they're not used to having rules and or structure and or, oh, dad tells us he, we are not allowed to lie. And these things are in black and white. They're not allowed to lie. They have to do chores. They can't keep their room doors closed all day. And so obviously they can close their doors, but you just can't be in your room with your doors closed all day and they must eat at the table. <laughs> it's lunacy is what it is. And so, but, but because they're being told that this is abuse, your father is abusing you by having rules and standards and you have to get good grades and things like that. And when I tell you, those are our only rules. If they follow those rules in which they did, we didn't have any issues. And that's another thing that's very odd. We didn't have 
the stepdaughter got all A's, stepson, A's and B's. They showed up to school. They were never disrespectful to me. And when I washed their clothes or I cook maybe once, I'm going to say maybe twice a week. But when I cook at dinner, they say, thank you for cooking. When I wash their clothes and they come in and I fold them and I, they're taking them to their rooms, thank you for doing the laundry. During COVID, my husband has, his parents live on a lake. So we did a lot of up north stuff and they're with us. And it wasn't even like a dysfunctional environment. right? And so that's why this is all out of blue. There was no we dislike each other, fighting or disrespect or none of that. And there were times where I, I, did, I didn't like the way that he would communicate. So I, I would let him know, but I will always do that away from the kids. You know, like, hey, maybe you should look at it like this, or maybe you should look at it like that and change your approach because what's, what you're doing is not working. And so just normal family stuff. The kids didn't see anything or wasn't treated bad and we would never call them names. So another thing is that they view is abuse is that when we, the one week in a month that they stay with us, they have to go to church. And when we were doing church via Zoom, we had to watch church in the living room, but that was only once a, a month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was abusive to them too, because our mother is a foaming at the mouth atheist and sends her kids all kind of demonic stuff. And so we agree, uh, me more so than my husband, I that God doesn't force us to love him and we can't force that on the kids. However, we can't educate them in what we believe. So when they get the age to make a decision, they're making an informed decision. Right. Oh yeah. And it's abusive that we say grace every night at dinner because we eat dinner together every night. And that's abusive that we say grace. So (laughs) yeah, it's not like it's nuts. And and if, and if I didn't live it, I would say this is not real. My mom was a piece of work, but I couldn't imagine her being like these kids' mom. Honestly, I could not imagine. Like the kids believe the reason that they had to move with us is because dad went to court and lied about everything. And because we don't talk to the kids about court and about things like we're not countering the things that they believe. And so we didn't know the extent of the alienation campaign until we were just blindsided by where we are now. So where we are now is stepdaughter is estranged. She's living with her mom and and stepson is still back and forth. He's with us during a week with his mom on a weekend. The therapist is saying that our home is not emotionally safe for stepdaughter. She says it's physically safe, but it's not emotionally safe for stepdaughter. And so when she said that, we thought that it would be best to let stepdaughter work out with the therapist at her mom's house. So at any time, dear husband has the right and the authority to show up and go pick up his daughter, even if he had to do it with the cops. But because we are unsure of her mental issues, and if this is a game or if it's not, we are going to err on the side of caution Mm -hmm. and let her work it out. However, it's not working. So I said, okay, let's have the kids therapist continue to be their therapist and not a family therapist. And let's get dear husband and stepkids and therapy together so they can work out whatever issues. Because I had a conversation with the son and he was telling me all of the stuff like dad, all he do is lie. And that's another thing that was in a CPS report. All dad do is lie. Both kids said the exact thing. And so the CPS person says, uh, and CPS is child protective service. Mm-hmm says, well, what does your dad lie about? Oh, he lies about what happened between him and mom. So they think that he lied all the time. But the only thing they can point to is he because the mother always said that he abused her. And so they're like, oh, well, he uh, lied about him abusing my mom, because that's what they're constantly hearing. That's what's being drilled in their head. Dad is abusive, although they live with him. He and they see how he treats me. The only thing they can hold on to. And it's funny because a younger son can't remember any of it because he was so young when they broke up. Mm -hmm. So he's only listening to what his mom is saying. The stepdaughter, she has memories of the end of her parents' relationship. And I'm pretty sure it was toxic. I wouldn't go. So I wasn't there. So I can't say anything about physical abuse, but I'm pretty sure she heard them yelling and fighting, you know, Mm -hmm. not physically, but like yelling at each other. So they basically believe all their dad do is lie, even though they lie all the time. And even though they haven't seen anything to say that dad abused mom, although they see mom and her boyfriend abusing, he abuses her. 
and they see that. And that's okay. Yeah, in their mind, that's okay. How long has it been since your husband has talked to stepdaughter, the younger stepdaughter? Uh, since the beginning of February. Okay. I thought that's what you said, but I wasn't sure. He texts her. She won't reply to any text. And the mother won't facilitate anything. Like the mother wants him. To, you know, she's loving that this is what she wants. This is what she did with the oldest daughter. It worked then and it's it's working now. She has a way about it. And because she does not have a capacity for forgiveness or, and she's mentally ill too. And that was one of the reasons she lost the kids was she refused to address her mental illness. Like she filed police reports. My husband started at asking for child support. She filed a police report saying that he got into her account and sent her a picture of it. Like just lunacy. Well, here's my question. Actually, I've got a couple of questions, but my first question is, is if she lost custody of her kids, how is she keeping stepdaughter? Well, she she hasn't lost custody. They have shared custody. She lost residential, meaning she the kids can't live with her. Right. But the kid is living with her. Right. And so, right. And so my husband can go over there and get her. Right. But he's afraid of the stepdaughter's mental state. Right. He doesn't want to come home to her dead because she killed herself. Like, we honestly don't know. For us, we can see all of the signs pointing to child alienation, mental manipulation, all of these issues. However, in the off chance that it, the daughter had a legit mental breakdown and all of these things that we're only hearing from the mother is what stepdaughter feels. If those are actually stepdaughter's feelings and we just disregard that, I don't think that that would be wise. And that's kind of what I've been telling my husband. You know, this is a time because of virtual learning that she can be over there and work out her issues, but it's not, it's only making it worse. It's only making it worse. And since the stepdaughter has been at her mother's house, the police have gotten called to the house four times or four or five times because of freedom of information you can see. So we were thinking about, okay, well, how about the kids do maybe things have changed? We don't know, but I am under the mind of they have it good here. However, everything that we're doing is not what the kids want or they just want to be with their mom. So how about we let them live with their mom just because that's what they want. And our normal environment is having adverse on them. So we were throwing around that idea or I was throwing around it and, and my husband was pretending to entertain it. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, we just wanted to see since they moved into this, because they live on a farm, since they moved into this place, how many times the cops have been there. And, and since 2019, the cops have been to that location 24 times. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and, so, and so then, you know, my husband is just like, I can't in good conscience let my kids stay there and I am at I don't know what to do I'm in this weird space of I don't mind the stepson being there because he's like easy although he has a lot of he's not a truthful kid but he's been dealt a raw hand poor guy and so he's easy to manage but I what I told my husband is I said babe I think things keep escalating for the kids to get to their mom's house if stepdaughter comes back here and they saw, okay, that what I did didn't work. What's the next escalation that's going to happen to get there? They keep going up and up and up to get back to where they want to be. And, and I don't want the escalation to then turn to me being abused. Or I told him, I said, you know, she comes back, I'm going to give it a shot. But if it gets bad, I'm moving out. He's like, you're going to leave a marriage? I said, absolutely not. You and I will be together, but I will not be in an environment where I'm constantly uncomfortable and being targeted by your children. The four times that the cops were called, was it because of domestic issues between by a mom and the boyfriend? No, the boyfriend is bullying and abusing his neighbors. Oh. Like dumping manure on their property and taking all of his vehicles. He has a business, it's all of his business vehicles and tractors and stuff and pointing it at the neighbor's house with the lights on. Man, he's a piece of work. You know, I don't even want to pretend like I know what's going on in that house. I don't right. want to elaborate on it, but I know that from the actions of the kids and the things that they come home and say, I know it's not good. Like I, it's not healthy. And, but we have to understand, even though it's not healthy, we can see the unhealthiness. The kids only see their mom and how they want to be with her, how they love her. And 
And that being with dad is a betrayal and being happy at dad's house is a betrayal. So the older daughter told us that one of the reasons that she stopped seeing her father was that her mom would guilt her whenever she visited with her dad. And if her mom didn't believe exactly what she believed, then she would get in trouble and she would get punished. So she would return from dad's house. Mom would talk to her for three days. So when you have a a parent with conditions in which you love them, you're always trying to meet those conditions. And the condition to get their mom full love is you must hate dad. Right. And that's what's happening. And so the daughter, the one who's estranged from my husband, so she and her dad were always very close. I'm talking about like really close to the point where we received emails from the mother saying that stepson feels left out because you favor stepdaughter. And so that that's how close they were. And so this is another reason why it's just really out of the blue. So we received a year and a half worth of therapy notes from the therapist from stepdaughter. Mm-hmm. And in the therapy notes, it says how she sees how her mom, how her dad's environment is better for her and how her mom's environment pretty much is toxic and how her mom and her boyfriend treat her bad. So when she was happy at our house, she was, when she'd go over there on the weekends, she was treated bad because she was happy and because she would speak up about things that she disagreed with. And so she was targeted to, to the point where her and her mom wasn't communicating on a regular basis in a sense of the mom constantly communicates via phone with her son mm-hmm. every day, all day. Mm-hmm. And whereas and she would talk to her daughter once a week, sometimes via the phone, texting or whatever mm-hmm. for a long time there. And it's because she was being targeted from her mom. And so one way to win her mom's approval is to go along with the narrative. Also, she got older and then it's it's better to be in a place where you don't have rules. Like she could play video games and she do play video games from sunup to sundown at mom's house. She doesn't have chores. She doesn't have rules. I have a, like a couple of things. I don't have many rules and I'm not an enforcer, but every day you will brush your teeth. You will brush your hair and you will get out of your night clothes. You cannot be around. Even if we're not leaving the house, you will get dressed. You will put on your, you will brush your teeth and you will brush your hair. And so, you know, like those things are not enforced over there. When they first came with us, hygiene was abysmal. So we had to put a, we have a schedule on the refrigerator of the week shower days and chores or whatever, just like normal organizational stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you about a story that really showed me how her mom was refusing to mother her overly so due to her being happy at our house. Mm -hmm. So the 12 year old got her period. And because she was always so nervous about losing a relationship with her mom, I didn't want to take that mother and daughter moment from her. And I didn't want to take it from the mother either. I didn't find out until it was over because I was doing a laundry. And so I talked to her about it. I put one of those tracking apps in my phone. So I'll know when she's going to get it. So I told her, Hey, I have this app in my phone and you know, this is a month later. I'm like, your cycle should come on these days. You're going to be at your mom's house. I said, when, as soon as you get there, tell your mom that it's going to come. And if it comes tell her to take you to the, the store, show you what products to pick and how to use them. And so she stepdaughter forgets things. That was like on Monday. I reiterated on Wednesday. I rarely go to pickups and drop-offs mm-hmm. because bio mom hates me. So I went with her to drop off. And so when she's getting out the car, I said, stepdaughter, do you remember what we talked about this week? Make sure you talk to your mom about it. Okay. Do you understand me? Yes. I understand you. So they come back and I ask her not this transition day, but the day after transition day, because again, transition days are difficult for everybody except for my husband. And I go in her room. I said, sweetie, did your cycle come? She's yes. I said, did your mom take you and show you how to use? She says, no, but she didn't have time. I was livid. She allowed her child to sit in soiled underwear because she was too busy for a whole weekend. Mm. So obviously I went to the store and showed her 
all of the stuff that should ha- that should have been a mother and daughter moment. Well, I want to go back to something that you said about you're really adamant about them having good hygiene. You will brush your teeth every day. You will get up out of, and get dressed out of your pajamas. I guess your husband agrees with that. Yes, yes, but he he one hundred percent agrees with it. But because I handle all of the clothes and because I don't want to smell them. So my husband is annoyingly clean when it comes to the house. It's super annoying. He wants things in order and clean, clean, clean. And so I'm like, it needs to be clean, but I don't mind clutter. Like I don't mind stuff being on the table. Right. And so he handles like chores and stuff like that, but he doesn't necessarily care about, or he won't notice that they've been in their lounge clothes all day. It's just something that doesn't cross his mind. Mm-hmm. So do you tell him, hey, they haven't gotten out of their clothes today? Or do you tell them, hey, you need to go change clothes? Uh, No. So if say that it's noon or one, and this is only during COVID because during the school year, they, I'm the one who handle morning. So they come out and I've only had to say something to to stepdaughter twice. Mm -hmm. And that was, she had these, you know, I buy all of the clothes. So she had these cute stretch pants on and the sweater that that I bought her, but the sweater didn't come below her butt. Mm -hmm. And the, these particular stretch pants accentuated her butt. Mm-hmm. And I'm raising a lady. I don't, you know, she's only in, at the time she was in sixth grade. You're not going to be out here just showing your business. Put on a shirt that covers your butt. That's only, I only had to say that to her once. And she's a pretty, you know, modest child. Like she don't want to show her body or anything. And then another time her, when her mom bought her makeup and she went to wear makeup to school and we don't mind makeup. I wear makeup. Makeup's fine. But at 12, somebody who is not happy and secure with themselves, we kind of felt that teaching you to alter yourself and love yourself more is not a place where you need to start off using makeup. And so we say wear makeup at home, but out of the house, we want to wait till you're at least 13 or in a better place emotionally. Mm-hmm. So those are the only times I've had to say something to her. So usually if like, if I come downstairs at like 12, one o'clock or whatever, or whatever the case may be, and they're still in their lounge clothes, I won't say go and change. I'll say, are you going to get dressed today? <laughs> or did you brush your teeth today? Mm-hmm. Or brushing, now brushing the hair was a big thing to me because they were not taught to brush their hair. They'll laugh about it. Like, we don't have to do this at mom's house. So I haven't brought, or they'll come back and look at me and say, they have a nickname for me. So they'll use that name and they'll say, I haven't touched my hair all weekend. And I'll look at them and I'll say, gross, go brush your hair. I think that because of they had to get used to the two separate rules and two, the two separate homes, they just kind of acclimated. That's what kids do, you know? And they too could come back and tell you that kind of because they know it pushes your buttons. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they never said it in any kind of hostile tone or they just knew I would be annoyed by it. So, so the son, he bruises like crazy. I hate bruises. And I don't know if it's like a white people thing or it's just this family <laughs> thing, but the amount of bruises. And so the stepson, he gets bruises like crazy. He loves to kind of point them to because he knows the first thing I'm going to say is, where'd you get that bruise? Mm-hmm. What are you doing with that bruise? And when they get a reaction out of me, they'll usually come with that thing. So the daughter knows that if she didn't change her clothes or brush her hair, she, she'll come. Guess what? I didn't brush my hair all weekend. Ha 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 ha. But uh-huh. it was not in it. <laughs> In like a nasty, mean way. It's just, hey, I'm saying this to you to push your buttons because I'm going to push your buttons because I know that your buttons aren't overly pushed. Like, Uh. I've never gotten mad about that. I don't believe anything that they do at their mom house is my business. If that's how she chooses to parent her kids, those are her kids. Exactly. Right. So in my house, however, you're not going to be walking around like looking like nobody don't love you. And you don't love yourself. (laughs) (laughs) So, so that's, you know. And, and so that was my, I, don't, I didn't have many things that was a stickler on, but the, the hygiene was something that I would point out. And is today a shower day or go take a shower or by the time I get home, make sure you shower, things like that. And it was in the beginning, I had to remind them, but by the end, the daughter was, I never had to talk to her about her hair or shower at all. The son He's a boy, so we know how that goes. And they would do what you told them to. They didn't buck up to you and say, we're not doing that. Or they didn't go to dad and say, we're tired of her telling us what to do. No, never. We didn't have those issues. I find it interesting. They seem to have more respect for you than they do their dad. 100%. But they were not weaponized against me. So because of the relationship I had with them prior to moving with them, 
which was full of love, understanding, and safeness. So like playing Barbie dolls with stepdaughter and her reenacting what she's seen at home and me talking through that and stepson feeling comfortable enough to say, if I had, if I could change one thing, I would change my parents getting divorced and me and him talking through that. Those are very hard things to have conversations about and in kind of like talking through those things and making sure that no matter how I feel at the end of the day, I'm not going to bash their mom. I'm going to support my husband, but I'm going to be a new person and I and I do find that being neutral helped that relationship and it also helped where I didn't give their mother a reason to weaponize the kids against me. Right. She could have. So I wanted to make sure I always upheld her position, let her know that I'm not stepping on your toes. I'm not in your territory. And also for me as a woman, I don't have kids. I don't want kids. And I don't even find myself like an overly insecure person, but I would be super insecure if somebody else was with my kids more than me, like another woman. Mm -hmm. So for me, constantly reaffirming the kids when I ask those difficult questions. Have you talked to your mom about this? Well, what did she say? And then I would piggyback off of what she said if it's something that I could agree with. Oh, I agree with your mom because of this. And letting them know that I'm not in competition with your mom. It's funny because stepdaughter would we saw this video, I think it was like an SNL video, but the person was screaming, you're not my mom. <laughs> so, so I would say to stepdaughter, go shower or go do something. And she would, and she would say, but mom, and I would scream at her, I'm not your mom. <laughs> and so like, <laughs> and so like we had this understanding that I'm dad's wife. I am a support human. I'm going to love you and I'm going to be there. However, don't get it twisted. You have a mom. She has a role and I respect that. And so I think doing that made it harder for, for the bio mom to weaponize the kids against me. Because if she said anything about me, the kids, and I'm pretty sure she does, and I've seen some things, but I think it's more the kids understand those are mom issues, but stepmom don't have those issues. Right. And so if they're not weaponized against me, they're gen genuinely loving humans who are just learning and try to figure things out. So if somebody's not in their ear telling them, hate this person, hate this person, hate this person, they're going to love that person. Right. All of the things that they're dealing with is stuff that's being taught. So they were not taught to hate me or to disrespect me or to whatever the case may be, but they taught, were taught all of those things for their dad. Dad is a liar. Dad is a bad person. He's a user. He only wants this. So those are their views of him. Whereas in their views of me are different because the mother has not weaponized them against me yet, or it hasn't worked so far. Well, let me ask you one thing before we wrap up. Well, I've actually got two questions. I wonder if since the courts gave your husband custody or residential custody, because they know that the other home's not good. And now he's, for lack of a better word, allowing her to live at the other home. Could that come back and bite him in the butt? 100%. She's already contacted a lawyer because they are going to court even at the end of this month for child support. I think it's not going to reflect greatly on him that he allowed it, but it's not going to reflect neglectful. Right. And that's what I was concerned with because I have heard of cases where the mom loses custody, the dad gets custody, the kid goes back to the mom's, he doesn't fight it or try to get her back. And then they go to court and it's the child goes to foster care because neither home's good for them. All right. Right. No, I think before the kid go to foster home, I think my husband would concede to her staying at her mom's house. And, I, and, I, and, and in all honesty, I am not opposed to that. I know you're not. This is a lot and possible with mental illness and possible escalation of things. It's mm -hmm. just kind of like, but I, what I told my husband is I told him what I wanted. And then I told him that I don't have kids. So I don't know the love of a parent, right? like a natural parent. And so I won't take that from you and I won't make the decision for you. I will support you in whatever you choose. And that's what I'm doing. Right. But I, but I told him my support has limitations on my mental health. So if she comes back and it gets worse, we'll be together. But during a week, I will live in my own place. And then I won't be, I won't live like that. That would be very unhealthy for me. Right. I want to backtrack one more minute. You said that the stepson had said the same thing about he would kill himself if he had to live there. Mm -hmm. Y'all took him to a therapist? Well, he was already in therapy, but we took him and got, got him assessed. Okay. Um, he, he got assessed. They said it was no threat, but before even getting him assessed, I he had a discussion with. So he said that. And then so my husband was hit because he knew exactly 
was going on. And he's like, I'm going to go down there and I'm talking to him. I'm like, no, you're not. You're not going down there. You're not talking to him. He's doing this for attention. Do not give him the rea- reaction that he wants. Go down there, tell him to brush his teeth and it's bedtime. And, and that's what we'll do. You know, we have cameras in the house. So if you really go to the kitchen, say, get a knife, we would see it. And so the next morning, everybody calmed down and he had a conversation with him and I had to go to work. Your husband was off work and we're in the bed. Stepson comes up. And so I hit recording on my phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I started recording it. And he started, you know, I said that because I don't want to live here till I'm 18. I don't really feel like I want to kill myself. And, you know, basically just said, we got it on recorded that he lied and, but he do want to live with his mom and it worked for his sister. So that's why he said it. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, good. I'm glad you've got that on recording. I got it on recording. Yep. And and I also got on recording. So we were all sitting on a, we had a good day. We were all sitting on the couch watching a movie. And he was, this is right after his sister was got out of psych hospital. He was texting his sister and he, she's like, how is it over there? And he's texting. He's like, it's horrible. And she's like, how are they treating? He was like, they're being mean to me. Now keep in mind, we had yeah. a fun day and we're watching <laughs> TV and all is well. And he's lying. And so then I started texting my husband, who's at the other end of the couch. Hey, I'm looking at the text message that he sent sending his sister. And he's saying that we're abusing him and we're, I forget the word he used, but flaming or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I said, do you want to address it? And he let me address it. And I'm like, well, you didn't see it. So let me address it. So I hit record and I'm like, stepson, I can see what you're texting. And his face turns beat red. And I'm like, we encourage a relationship with your sister and your mom or whoever, but we, you know how we feel about lying. You lying to them is bad and it puts us in a bad position. It makes them think things that are not true and that makes everybody worry. And so I got it all on recording. He was, yeah, oh, I'm going to lie. I'm going to continue to lie to get to mom's house. He straight up said, yeah, I lied to the CPS worker and I'm going to continue to lie. And he's going to lie to his sister because he's telling people what they want to hear. Yeah, but that's all he knows. Yeah. It's not like, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's what he's been taught. And we've said that on multiple times to Biomom. You're saying all of these things that he feels, but that's what he gets a reaction out from you. So he has a wonderful week with us, but then he tells you that he's miserable or that he only stays in his room, but mostly he's on the couch cuddled with his dad or fighting with his dad, wrestling, or I'm talking about 90% of the time. How would you suggest that other step parents support their significant others when they are dealing with parental alienation? Now, that is a very good question because I've read so many books on it. And I say the best thing that you can do to support is to be educated about what's happening, happening so you can put the phrases and the words and the emotions. Because if you don't know how it feels to be alienated from one of, from your child, you, it's harder to empathize or to get mad at that child versus the situation. And so I think the best thing that you can do to support is educate yourself about what's going on and then just be there for your spouse and let them know, you know, and make suggestions on things that may help. It's so hard because the, all of the books say don't talk about it, don't address it, act like it doesn't happen. And, and then some books say acknowledge it without bashing. And I think the best thing to do is just love your spouse and be there for them to educate yourself and then try not, which is very hard, try not to get resentment towards the kid or the other parent for hurting your spouse. Because when you get resentment, your spouse will feed off of those negative emotions. And there's enough negative emotions and alienation to begin with. So just try not to add to it. Right. And the last thing you want to do is tell your significant other, oh, well, just get over it. That's their kid. Yeah. But for somebody like me, (laughs) who don't have kids and don't have the natural love of birthing a human, Mm -hmm. because I'm like at my wit's end, I just want to be like, dude, let her live there. Let's just be done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I would never, I would never say that. But you know, you have those feelings and being able to control those feelings and having a support group to talk to or a therapist or like for yourself, you know, to work through those feelings of things that you should never say to your husband or wife, you know, just have, (laughs) just have a separate person. Like I have my sister and my, I have my therapist who I can feel these. And I have a, um, I have a mentor 
who is so needy because she calls me out on all of my selfishness in all of my ways, you know? So having somebody who's going to tell you the honest truth that, you know, that you love and it won't affect your relationship. Yes. Well, anonymous stepmom in Detroit, it has been great having you as a guest on our podcast. And I'm sorry you're dealing with all the craziness. And I just hope that these kids see when they get older that dad's not the bad guy. Yeah, I hope so, too. Well, thank you again. And I definitely want to have you back to kind of see how things are going. Okay. All right. All righty. Thank you, David. I need to remember to reach out to anonymous stepmom in Detroit in a few months to see how things are going. Mm -hmm. In fact, I need to reach out to everybody that's been a guest to see how things are going. All right. So everybody call Lori <laughs> tomorrow at three o'clock. <laughs> Y'all just send me an update <laughs> and we'll just do a podcast of updates. You don't have to like put everybody in the system and say, uh, automatically send them an email after three months and ask for them to give you an update. That's a good idea. Yeah. I thought so. Yeah. And then I can just say, hey, that stepmom on episode whatever, she's doing good, y'all. Mm-hmm. Or she ain't doing good, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> or remember that lady that wasn't not showing? She is now. You're going to do like the, uh, when they follow up with people, like, you know, when you watch Shark Tank and they go back and they follow up with the people who got a deal. Yeah. You're going to do that? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. All right. We're going to make this short and sweet, but I do want to remind people about the Stepmom View. The Stepmom View is myself and four other step family coaches answering the most asked blended family questions. Mm -hmm. There's over 13 hours of content where we answer 25 questions. And I'll be honest, we're funny, y'all. <laughs> Some of them are really funny because there's video. You get to see our faces when we're like, oh, don't want to answer that. <laughs> but it's myself, Laura Petherbridge, Heidi Farrell, Heather Hetchler, and Melanie Anthony. And that is season one. So check out the Stepmom View at stepmomview.com. Sweet. All right. That's it, folks. We out of here. All right. That is our show for today. Join us next Friday for another exciting episode. And remember for Lori and myself, life is good. When you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.